My woman got tired of the bullshit heartache, tired of the grief. All right, welcome to Movie and a Beer, everybody. This is Dan bringing us in, and we have a couple of awesome friends with us to discuss a very long and challenging film. If you aren't a big Elvis fan, but if you are a big Elvis fan, this movie is for you. Then it's a long, challenging love fist. I am Aaron. I'm your peanut butter sandwich and banana, peanut butter and banana sandwich expert. And I'm Brian, your Boz Lerman expert. Here it is, Elvis, two hours and like, 40 minutes of lots of exponential visual excess. A lot of style, not a lot of story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, so I, I want to yeah. say that this film wasn't bad. The visuals were interesting. Mm-hmm. There was just about 20 minutes worth of story told in two and a half hours. It, it, it was 20 minutes of story crammed into two hours and 45 <laughs> minutes. How so. much can you stretch it? It, right. it was a lot of music video and a lot of voiceover and not a lot of plot. Reviews have been really mixed online. And so in knowing that we were going to watch this film ahead of time, Dan said, hey, let's go out to John's Marketplace in Southwest in Multnomah Village and see what we can find. Because I know that, and what little research I did ahead of time, I know that Elvis didn't drink beer. He did not like alcohol in general, but he never drank beer or rarely did if he did at And all. his mother was an alcoholic. Correct. So he was... Anti and, and and you know I, as as I had heard I don't know if it's true or not he might have um, some Native American roots and he would know that like drinking alcohol is not a good thing because he would, would they've got a predisposition to uh, alcoholism mm-hmm. yes yeah so it was a little challenging I do know that Elvis in my exposure to Voodoo Donuts here in Portland they make an Elvis Memphis Mafia fritter that has banana peanut butter chocolate and then <laughs> something drizzled on it i think i can't remember what stardust honey, honey or something glitter dust but it's a big old fritter apple fritter or banana fritter i'm sorry banana fritter that's all these extra things on it like peanut butter and chocolate and stuff because he used to eat peanut butter banana sandwiches mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's a mississippi thing because he's from tupelo mississippi and the film does kind of cover a little bit of his backstory i i was like i need to find something that has a banana flavor Right. That's not going to be challenging, and maybe something that's got peanut butter in it. There was a challenge because this is this is the fall, but there wasn't a lot of peanut butter oriented beers out there that I could find easily. So I did find one that was like a peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and jammy kind of sour beer, and then a banana bread beer. And we're going to talk about those later on in the podcast. But the first thing we want to do is kind of break down this story. The story is. Fairly simplistic. I mean, it's just kind of a, a an offshoot, a fictionalized account of Elvis's. Yeah, it's experience. it's kind of a visual Wikipedia entry of Elvis's life. Who, who was, was Elvis? Biopic of Elvis yes. with a Baz Luhrmann zhuzh onto it, and it was told through Colonel Tom Parker's point of view because it was like, okay, this is as as I mentioned to the guys, I was like, it's going to be like his life flashing before his eyes as he dies. That's how it was set up from the and, very and Colonel mm-hmm. Tom Parker was the manager for Elvis, and uh, some people believe that he was a shyster, and that's the way he's portrayed in this film. Yes. and he uh, he was a manager that took a lot from Elvis, and this film hypothesizes that he's the one that pushed Elvis to a point of exhaustion and abusing drugs and to death. So uh, are, are, I'm maybe going to give away my age now because I was I was born after 
Elvis that passed away. But I, I wonder, like, you know, how, how much of this is kind of how much was real and how much was revisionist history? Because I, I don't, I don't actually know. Like, I'm aware of Elvis and I'm aware of his cultural impact. I'm aware of his his music. I think I saw maybe one of his movies. It wasn't. It didn't stick with me. Um, but I, I, I think in a, there's a certain strata of celebrity, like Mariah Carey or Britney Spears, where, where it comes to, to light after the fact how that like family or other close relationships get sort of poisoned by, by monetization and the finances and like pursuing fame. And I kind of wonder like if that's part of what happened with Elvis, but maybe he just did it bigger and earlier. I think fame has a lot to do with it. I think um, that was a focal point. I, I just have concerns about how much is fictionalized versus, mm-hmm. you know, reality. I mean, I, I'm sure that there are books that are out there about his life, and I'm, there's probably other films that several, have several books, probably several films. done a better job at telling the story. But again, this the whole point of this is just to bring attention back to Elvis. Spectacle. Uh, the, yeah, like, I mean, from some of the stuff I read, this, this, this was pitched back in 2014. I mean, this has been a long time in the making. So, so Elvis, in his day, was a, a huge superstar. Yes. And I, as a young editor, I edited a biography on the Elvis, the Presley family. His wow. mom, his dad, Elvis. Uh, Brian, you've done everything. Priscilla. <laughs> you know everything. Lisa Marie, her marriage to Michael Jackson. Uh, so wow. I actually know some of the, remember some of the history of this. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't fictionalized a whole lot. Okay. I mean, the, the Boz Lerman musical montages wasn't way off base. His interpretation of reality of of, of history There's truth to it. is fairly truthful, fairly accurate. Through the lens of a Brady Bunch introduction TV show introduction. Because that sitcom introduction with like you got the blacks, you got the squares. Yeah, he, the, he oh, used it's a like, lot of a I lot of boxes like on the screen. 70s yeah. era, like I was like, wow, okay, well, you know, he was his his biggest fame was I think in the 60s, right? The 50s and 60s is when all this was. Yeah, the, the early 50s. I mean, he, he is the father of rock and roll. He brought blues and uh, R&B music R&B and B music into acceptable white culture rock yeah. and roll. He, he is the father of, of rock and roll. I was going to say, like, can you talk about Elvis without talking about race? And could you have made this movie 20 years ago? Like, I mean... Like how much of how much of the world has changed, and and how how much more okay is it to acknowledge? Like, I'm familiar with you know BB King, Count Basie, some of the old blues, some of the old jazz. Like, and, yeah, well, and the, the, at, at the time of Elvis in the early, early 50s, 50s, this was music that it, it, was, was a, not accessible to a white audience. It was, it was still segregated. It was still a segregated music. He was the first one who sang. Uh, you know, Big Mama Thornton's Hound Dog. So you know, the, in a way, their white on audience could, could hear, hear it. And, and so he had crossover, and, and that's that's all right. Mama was written by a black artist, hmm. but white people never heard it until he cut that first disc for Sun Records, yeah. and he made it. He made it okay. He, he, he made, made it, it socially okay. acceptable. It, and, and the nice thing is, is that they focused on that somewhat in his younger life. They, mm-hmm. they really said, you know, he grew up, and and there's some. I, I guess you would say it starts. With him, you know, Colonel Parker meeting him, and then it does all these flashbacks to his past of how he grew up, 
the environment he was in, what caused that to happen, and how much that influenced him as a young uh, child. I remember, I think I read something about Johnny Cash having kind of a similar sort of like disadvantaged childhood and exposure to some of the same influences. And and I don't know enough to know, like, was Johnny Cash really a, like a champion for, you know, race relations or, or equitability or, you know, civil rights. Uh, but this this film seemed to stress that Elvis was in some ways like he had something to say about the MLK assassination. As a person who was born after Elvis died, like I never connected the two intellectually. Like I never, I don't know what Elvis said about, uh, you know, MLK or JFK or like, you know, other civil rights. Uh, honestly, I, I don't know either. I uh, I don't think he came out publicly and and connected his influences his influences in the way that this muse this movie clearly does this mm-hmm. this movie it's important to this film to show that yes elvis got his influences from r&b music in the yeah. early 50s i mean and he 40s. even says it i mean he himself the, the actor i mean one of the lines is that yes it's about that colonel parker is trying to just get him to ignore it and just keep doing his normal thing and you know, you should just continue doing what you're doing because you're making money doing that and instead of acknowledging it. And they showed, I mean, that was the whole, I mean, it was like, what, 20 minutes of the film was the Christmas special. Oh, yeah. I mean, I we're not going to really spoil a whole lot here because it's, well, it's a biopic. So, as this is a spoiler, people probably know what happened to Elvis. <laughs> yeah. So he, instead of doing what was agreed with the sponsors, he went out in a leather jacket and pants. And then and the next re- day, reclaimed he, his he, roots. He reclaimed his roots and did mm-hmm. that. And it was a recorded thing; it wasn't a live thing. So it was probably edited, and who knows how much was edited out. But then the next day, he he came up that night with his own song, that was a protest song. And who knows? I mean, I uh, mm-hmm. all well, of us here we well, know about on, Elvis, on the eve of, no of Bobby Kennedy's assassination. Yeah, which mm. uh, I don't know how accurate. I'm sure it is, but it implies that while he was taping the Christmas special in 1968 was when Robert Kennedy was assassinated nearby in Orange County. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is really, you know, for us younger people, and I'm going to say that in general here because we're all within a few years of each other. I mean, a few, some, a few, a decade or so. Most of us have no real, I mean, we, we had superstars growing up. I mean, we had like Michael Jackson and stuff, but like back then, because the internet and access to media was really limited. I mean, when I was growing up, it was homogenized. It was TV and radio. Yep. That was it. Yep. You you got what the media gave you. Yep. You could not go out and seek it on your own. It was, yep. You had maybe radio alternative stations, but there was a shared experience. There were, everybody was listening to the same networks or listening to you know the same. Yeah. And yep. it was really hard to even you know save up a little bit of money when I was like junior high and high school age to go to a record store and try to find something that I had heard of. You can't listen to it unless you buy it. So it's really it's there's a huge wall of back then. Right, you access you to listen things. to whatever the the three radio stations you can get correct plays for you. Yeah, well, like I'm thinking of an era of where you would pay like eighteen dollars for a CD for one song. Yes, and, and there would be like fourteen other songs on the CD too that you didn't care about. Right. But you, pay, you, you paid $18 for that one song. $9 for a cassette tape, brand new. Yeah. Or $15, $12 for a cassette tape. And right. you're like, well, I could get that used for $3 later on. And now we live in a world of Spotify. 
Well, I mean, there's a lot or of who's our, who's, digital who, media. Who, who carries this podcast? We should say them. <laughs> all of them do. I, okay. this, this podcast is available pretty much on all channels of all media. And it's, they're all available. All right, Apple, Google. <laughs> we are going uh, far music. afield. We this are, yeah, this no longer about this movie. film. Well, we're yeah. talking in general about media and how that really had to play into what the colonel wanted. And he had to appease those people. Because he he signed the contract, Elvis. Right, he he had to appease the three major net networks. Yep, Mm -hmm. and the two or three music labels. Oh, then the backlash from politicians. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's some interesting take on how did that affect him in the short run. It really made he just gave up. Elvis stopped trying to want to being his own person and just did that for a while because it paid the bills. He, he's portrayed as being a victim of sorts yeah. in this movie. Like there, there are ways where, it, yeah, it seems like he, everybody wanted something from him. He had to reclaim and, it. Yeah. yeah. In all honesty, Elvis was from a very poor family, Yeah, very poor educated, and Colonel Tom Parker came in and offered him more money than he'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. And so he just followed Colonel Tom Parker and his advice on his career. I, I just wonder, like, the, the earlier years, how much truth there was into what we watched versus what really happened. And well, did it really play out that way? I mean, I don't know. Elvis was really poor. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Like, really poor. I mean, we, we've seen it with countless other young individuals who suddenly have more money and more fame than they've ever known what to do with. They yeah. are easily manipulated. It's because- overwhelming. It's overwhelming, and you just ask somebody, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you kind of trust that person, mm-hmm. that person's going to work for their own best interest. They are, and they usually do, and that's what's really and, and And we see lots of young actors, young pop stars. Sports, sports athletes as well. Athletes burn out, flame out, do weird shit. Justin Bieber. <laughs> yeah. Britney. Free Britney. Yeah, Britney. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Macaulay Culkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Corey Feldman. I mean, it's kind of sad. Fame, you know, with as they say, with great, with lots of money comes great responsibility. Because if no one ever teaches you how to spend it and use it, you get stupid. That's that's a that's a common thread with most, if not all, of the people mentioned. They you, some people adapt to it and have good management. Some most don't. They just they it, get thrown into it, and you're just like, oh, what do I do now? Yeah, I'm just I'm reminded of like the the wealthiest musician in the UK for decades was David Bowie. And it's not that he had the biggest hits. It's just that he he financially managed his estate. He, really he well. retained his rights. Yeah, and yeah. like, it, yeah. Uh, and there was two. Uh, I'm thinking, was it Def Jam? Like, some somebody in the R and B world uh, was just a really savvy business person. And uh, I'm gonna have to look this up now. It's gonna bother me. Um, hey, so yeah. speaking but, of, but getting back to Elvis. <laughs> speaking of hip hop, there were a couple places in the film, yeah. where hip hop was. Musically montaged onto R and B hits, especially in. Yeah. I noticed it twice when Elvis uh, visited Beale Street in yes. Memphis, yep. which is where the R and B music was played live. Yeah, and, and there were guitar solos too that were interlaced yeah. over Elvis's music. That like yeah. just so it, so it was like, an audio montage, a musical mm-hmm. montage where several different songs, different rhythms were playing on top of each other. It, and I was thinking like how how do as a filmmaker, how would you approach like the the impression of like or the the feeling of like novelty and the shock and the difference that this would have carried 70 years ago or you know 60 years ago for for his later career. 
how do you, how do you how do you in a film represent that in a way that a young audience is going to see now? Because if you just play you know Hound Dog, everybody's heard Hound Dog. It's not going to carry the same emotional weight as it would have in the fifties when you when you had never heard anything like that before. And I was thinking, well, I guess the audio montage is a way to like amp up the energy of that music in a way that it still lands today in a similar way that it would have landed the first time that people were hearing it. That that's my guess. I don't know right. if that's what, 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 what they were going for or not. But My interpretation was to tie early blues all the way through time up to modern hip-hop. The lineage. With, with Elvis's rock and roll kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's part of the same family tree. The, the, the lineage mean, or the progression of it. The, yeah, the and, and the progr- linear progression. Blues, rock and roll, yeah. hip-hop. yeah. But I mean, that's the way I interpreted it. I can see that though too. I was thinking, like, when, how does it hit? Or, or, or to hit harder that I hope I don't come off as a middle aged white guy. <laughs> but you are. <laughs> but I am. We can't help what we are. <laughs> but to clearly show that at one point, R&B blues was more of a black, African American music. African American roots, for sure. And and definitely for a while in America, hip hop was African American as well. Right. And right. so to clearly say rock and roll is part of this family. We are all kind of part of the same family, even though dominant American white culture has co opted right. uh, African American cu- culture. So I just Googled the Elvis Presley movie soundtrack Doja Cat. Stevie Nicks, Chris Isaac, Eminem, Diplo, Sway Lee, Austin Butler, Yola, Casey Musgraves, Lanesha Randolph. I have no idea who that is, which doesn't mean anything. Corey Younts. There's a whole lot of non-Elvis singers singing Elvis songs or songs with Elvis pieces in them being sampled or whatever. Um, Obviously, there's some really good songs that Elvis does that are recognizable that everyone should know because yeah. they're so ingrained into our culture. At least well, yeah. I mean, he, our generation he, as Gen X, he definitely Gen influenced people, everything yeah. that came after as far as yeah. American music goes. Yeah. And some of them are remixes of Elvis songs. Sure. But there's some, a lot of original stuff in here too, which I find really interesting that they would choose to, I don't know, go that direction instead of just using all of his music for his movie. I think that, that it might be a play to show how influential his his legacy is, and, and like how far reaching that influence is as well. Because I, I, mean, I think if you were to to try and identify, I mean, there's a couple of real big acts from like the middle of the last century. You know, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Elvis, and it's like how do you disentangle what their influences? And even Led Zeppelin like had R and B influences. Oh yeah, too. sure. But like yeah, but like, how do you disentangle like? If you're saying okay, well, who 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 influenced Doja Cat? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I have any idea. How, well, how do you how do you I, like you can't you can't disentangle like Elvis is part of that thread. Yeah. So so is somewhere. that so is that a way that I think Boz Lerman is separating himself from other documentary or or pseudo or I don't even know this isn't a documentary it's just a right a take, what what a take would, on it what what, what would the point this, be yeah. to make this film unless you were trying to say something. Correct. To make else money. And, or and, new. and I think that's a good point. I, I, I really appreciate the fact that there are yeah. musicians and artists and things out there that are like, hey, yeah, I'd love to be a part of that soundtrack because that sounds really awesome. Let's take what this entity was and the musical 
genius that he was because he took pieces of different backgrounds that he was exposed to from gospel to R&B to what the black community was singing and doing in the clubs where he grew up and what he was exposed to. And he took that and adapted it into his own self. And that's, I think, what popular culture is today most indefinitely. I'm like, everybody's borrowing from everybody. Right, everybody samples everybody else. Yeah. So uh, there was a... There, there was some criticism I read recently about a new Marilyn Monroe project. And uh, the criticism was around how it was really portraying Marilyn Monroe as just a, an endless victim. And it, it was like such a, a sad drumbeat th- throughout this movie. And it wasn't r- really real to her life because like she did have some happy moments. It wasn't a, you know, a happy life all the time. But I'm wondering, like, well, that article in that movie poses a question here too for Elvis to say, well, you know, what, what do you, what do you do to respect the legacy of somebody who lived a public life, a very public life? And like, and, and how do you, how do you stay true to like what the, what the facts were, but then also show like, yeah, I mean, there were some, uh, I will say unhappy, <laughs> unhappy developments in the last decade of his life for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you represent that on a screen in a way that's, you know, both respectful and honest um, but then also too nuanced enough. This is a really long way of saying of, of, of making a statement saying that I don't think Boz Lerman made me care more about Elvis than I already did before this movie. Like that's Elv- accurate. Elvis as a person didn't really come through as a person. Like there was an idea of who this guy was. Yeah. And there was an idea, yeah. I mean, that would be but, my major criticism of this film is it, it, it's really a lot more about style over substance. Yeah. Right. Like, there was not a lot, there weren't any scenes in the first half hour where they were actual scenes. It was really just all montage with voiceover from like, Colonel Tom Parker. Like atmosphere, atmosphere. Atmosphere, atmosphere. atmosphere. Yeah, it was, a, it was, it was it, not a movie. It was a tone poem. It was it, a visual audio poem. It, and maybe that's why I didn't like care about the characters as much as I, it, nominally, I think I should. Like, I, I think I should care about, you know, Lisa Marie. And Priscilla and like you know, I, right. I should and, and, and even Elvis. I yeah. think we would have cared a lot more in the last half if we had been allowed to see some a human being in the right. first half. Right. And and quite frankly, I enjoyed about the last half much more than the first half. I felt more human. Well, there were more scenes. There yeah. was there yeah. was uh, virtually no voiceover from Colonel Tom Parker after after the Hollywood. Once he went to Vegas, Mm -hmm. Vegas, I started enjoying the movie more, even though that was kind of the slow slide into oblivion for Elvis. But at least there were dramatic scenes where people were acting and it wasn't just all music and boxes and layered video the whole time. What what were your thoughts overall otherwise on the, like the sound design and the visuals were amazing because you know, the guy who, did it. Boz Lerman is known for just in your face production and sometimes too much. Like, could it have been simpler? Could you have edited this down? I mean, how many, how many times do you need to see a girl scream and throw her panties on stage? Cause that was repeated hundreds of times. Well, how, how many times does the drone have to do a, a, a curly cue, like loop, loop de loop before it shows the sign at the international with Elvis's name on it. You know, yeah, like, that was yeah, done was, about I, a dozen times too. Right. It, it seemed like it was trying to hit every single key point in Elvis's life. And that's why it was two hours and fifty minutes, and it I could have two hours forty minutes. <laughs> what, what, whatever it was, it, it was, was long, it was long, longer long than film. your your uh, ninety minute hour and a half film for yeah. sure. And we could have done without some of that. 
Mm-hmm. I definitely would have agreed to trim it way down. But, you know, if they've got the money in this thing, I think I read on IMDb that it like was made for around 85 or 90 million bucks. And then it was so far it's grossed over close to 400 million. So, I mean, it's made money for everybody. I'm happy about that. It, yeah. It's it's an interesting film. I'm glad we watched it. But, wow. I mean, it I was starting to fall asleep there because I'm like, I okay, I, it's okay. You can get up and go take a pee, pee break at any time. And this is actually... If you want to punish your kids, if you want to punish your teenagers, <laughs> make them sit through this because this yeah. is a long ass boring film. Dan's endorsement: punishment for your children. Punishment so, for your children. So there's there's this, very little violence, if any. There's very little foul language. Nothing that they haven't heard, you know, on the playground. And really, there's zero sex. There's zero nudity. It's basically just a, a PG-rated biopic. Partial education on race relations in the United States. Yes. A little I, bit. A little bit. Yeah, and so Boz Lerman has done se- seven films. I've seen five of them. This is my least favorite Boz Lerman film. Okay. Uh, Moulin Rouge, Romeo Plus Juliet, mm-hmm. Australia, uh, Great Gatsby, mm. uh, Strictly Ballroom, his first film, excellent take on the the ballroom dance championships in australia yeah a lot of fun actually um moulin rouge about the same length i found it much more enjoyable i I remember really liking it i can't say very much because i saw it a long time ago but i remember lots of really good music and inspirational music at that really empowering to the people who were singing it but very similar to this film lots of great music lots of visual interest yes but better story. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to say that there's a number of times in the film that I was waiting for something to happen. Like, wow, they, they didn't spend a whole lot of money writing scenes, any scenes. Yeah. Or <laughs> you have all these guys who hung around Elvis as Memphis Mafia and not one of them gets talked about. Or has a name, or, or has like, anything or yeah. necessarily like we don't know who, who are they necessarily in relation to Elvis, other than like his posse, his hangers-on. Yeah, but like, how does he meet these yeah. dudes? Like, and, and, and those guys were actually pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean that that would have been interesting to see what they were getting at, not just Colonel Tom Parker, but what right. what were all these? I mean, there were like eleven or twelve of these guys that want. They were with Elvis from the beginning to yeah. the end, yeah. And they moved into Graceland with them, but we didn't. We knew they were there in the film. We saw him. We saw him. But he they, yelled, they didn't Elvis yelled at him. Lines. Elvis yelled at him one time to get the hell out of my house. Yeah, because they came in kind of raising a rabble, well, and it's like, okay. yeah. There was there was there was one guy who had uh, like two different uh, uh, scenes of dialogue, and one was uh, yeah around promotions and like you know what do you do to promote other unrelated not not music related products and then the other one was uh, international international touring and and like those were the only the two scenes that the the memphis mafia really had lines yeah, yeah. i give props to tom hanks for being willing to be in all of that makeup because it he, you could tell who he was it took me a minute but it took me he a has a big old nose and he's <clears throat> yeah he's he, got had, he had a big old latex and, uh yeah. face thing and, with wrinkles and, and i think he pulled off a very Swedish accent the whole time. It took me a little bit. I was like, that's not Southern at all. That's, no. that's very Swedish. That's not, I think it's supposed to be Norwegian Dutch or Dutch or something. It's, it's supposed to be Dutch. It does not sound American at all. No, but he said he was from West Virginia and I was like, huh, how interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we know he's a shyster from get go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
there's some probably not so good things about him out there, and we're not going to really go into that anymore. But I really appreciated the fact that he was able to act and, and interact and tell a really good story from his perspective, from the character's perspective throughout the film. He didn't really get cut off. It showed him playing his cards very, very well. Every time he wanted to bring him back into the fold, he knew how to do it. Mm-hmm. He played Elvis really well. And some people would well, say... The whole family. That he played the whole family. Yeah. Really, really well. And took him for a lot of money. I mean, if you're getting paid a million dollars... He was just going to pay a million dollars a year for when they started. And who knows if that's true or not. But then to have all of Colonel Parker's debts, you know, past debts forgiven and then an unlimited bank account or, you know, a line of credit, line of credit given in to Las Vegas, in Vegas at the gambling tables where he had yeah. a, apparently a gambling problem. Yeah. They, uh, they also said at the end in the put kind of credit scenes that, you know, Colonel Parker spent the last years of his life just wandering around the Vegas strip spending money. And that's kind of sad because it's like, well, he, he knew how to use what he had in front of him as you know, promotion does. That's what promoters do, and that's yeah. what management does, is to promote the people that you're trying to get to get money for it so you can get your cut. Well, it's, it's kind of a, it's a sad movie in a couple of respects because one of the early scenes establishes this value of family being more important than anything else, and all of the main characters give that up. They do, every single one. Priscilla, they do show that Elvis met her on his two years in the military in Germany, and it's like they really didn't give her much dialogue other than that right there when she met him. And then maybe a couple of short lines and scenes later on, which was really sad because if this person had that much influence over him and he wrote a lot of songs about her, you'd think you'd want to give her a little bit more screen time or at least dialogue and give him more influence other than, yeah. hey, you know how this is where we met. And then later on, I'm leaving you. But it, that it, was pretty much it. it. Kind of like the the earlier comments, though, of like this being a, a, a visual poem, or like kind of a, a a lot of montage, a lot of music montage. Like there wasn't a lot that to set up the characters and their relationships and how those characters changed. Um, so it, it, I, I think, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, Dan. Like it would have been nicer to see more. More, more, more of the story arc between Elvis and, and not just Priscilla, but everybody that was close to him. Yeah. Yeah. But again, this was told from the perspective of Colonel Tom Parker on his deathbed, as, as we said at the beginning. And he wasn't there when Priscilla he, Mel- met Elvis. Yeah. He, he's just telling it from his perspective. So yeah, maybe yeah. there we go. So, all right. And, and as we watched this, we drank beer. We did. Thank you, Brian. You are you. That is, you're the expert of giving us really great transitions. Yeah, that was a, a really seamless <laughs> you, segue. This we, is movie and a beer. Movie and a beer. <laughs> well, we drank two. Aaron is going to give us some insights onto some of the non-alcoholic things he enjoyed, and Brian and I are going to try to talk about these two beers. I again went out to uh, John's Marketplace in Southwest in Loma Village, and during that time. Uh, I walked around for about 20 minutes, and there you have a lot of shelf space and a lot of coolers trying yeah, to you, find anything. You have gotten a anything. lot of good beers from John's Market before. Yeah. And, and I knew that they had, they had to have something that was probably going to work or not work, but I just wanted to find something with banana that wasn't a Hefeweizen because I was like, hey, there's banana smoothies and all kinds of fun stuff out there that I've, I know I've seen. Unfortunately, like that whole kind of fad is starting to fade out, so it's hard to find anything. 
And I know that there's a lot of places that do like peanut butter beers, like with either a stout or a porter or whatever, or either and, a, and a sour this time beer. of year, it's all pumpkin spice, right? It is. So yeah. it's kind of hard to find some interesting different stuff. The, um, the cool thing was, is I actually found a couple and I think both of them, because we, uh, we pasted out being a, a super long movie. I think we, I think we did a good job pacing it out. And the first one we had was from England, from Eagle Brewery, uh, called Banana Bread Beer. Now, Brian said that this initially had like an IPA, but with a whole bunch of bananas squished on it. it tasted a little hoppy with circus peanuts on top. Yeah. And as disgusting as that sounds, it was actually a kind of nice little beer. I enjoyed it. So if you don't know what circus peanuts are, they're kind of like a harder marshmallowy looking, uh, about inch and a half, two inches long. They kind of look like if you were to take a smaller hot dog and just chop it into smaller pieces with kind of sometimes and they're different the, colors the, and sometimes and they look foam like powder, foamy. Foamy peanuts. Yeah. yeah. And so, they're orange and they taste like bananas. They do. Uh, well, not always taste like bananas, but correct. This had that artificially flavor. Right. It, going it's on. got artificial banana flavor on it. And I didn't mind it. So you'd say, well, why did you find a banana beer? Because Elvis, which they didn't get into at all, primarily ate peanut butter and banana sandwiches. That's that was his thing. And he and I his favorite snack. Yes. Peanut and, butter and, and it was kind of his uh, soothing food. Yeah, reminding him of his upset or hmm. kind of down. So this He'd banana bread beer from Eagle Brewery, um, 5.2 ABV, 22 IBU, um, inspired uh, using local water. So this was not brewed. I think this was brewed in England, but not by the brewery. It was uh, commercially done by someone else and then distributed. And they use fair trade bananas, which I applaud them for. It does have some banana aromatics, but it also has a little bit of peppery spice and um, a, there's a little bit of hot hotness on it from the hops. Gives you a lot of as, acidity up front. When you drink it, you're like, oh, yeah. But I think as it warms up, it gets a little bit more smooth. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely an easy drinking beer. Bananas up front, a little bitter in, in your mouth after you swallow. But overall, good beer. Overall, I, good beer. I, I think it went okay with the film. Uh, yeah. Went well with the first half of the film, which is mm-hmm. when we drank it. Uh, yeah. It's kind of, I would say it's kind of an odd beer, not your normal beer, yeah. which was fine because the first half of the film was kind of odd. Yeah. A lot of montages, as we talked about. Yeah. Not necessarily something I'm going to go out of my way to ever get again, but not bad. Not bad. And didn't go badly with this film. Correct. Um, the second one that we did was called PB and Jam, which is an Imperial Pastry Sour Ale. And this one is by a company called Wild Barrel Brewing. And they're out of uh, San Marcos, California. So down in California. And this is 8.4%. Uh, I couldn't find any uh, an IBU on it because it really doesn't have any bitterness at all. It's just really tart. Organic peanut butter powder, boysenberry, black currants, huckleberries, vanilla bean, and lactose. So this is what you would t- typically call a smoothie beer, but it actually didn't have a lot of pulp in it. It didn't have a lot of smoothiness. It was more like a kettle sour that was had a bunch of peanut butter powder and then lactose dumped on it. For those that are beer drinkers, you might understand what I'm talking about. If you're not a beer drinker, you're like, I have no idea what you just said. 
So and basically, it, and if a, you're a casual beer drinker, yeah. it was gross. It was. This is a really hard <laughs> beer to drink. I'm not gonna lie. Brian and I were both like, "Oh, that's interesting." So the banana beer was smoothed out over time. This beer dropped completely off. Had zero carbonation. You still got a little hit of the tartness from all of that fruit. That fruit they use purees. I'm sure there is a very small hint of peanut butter on the back. You could tell it was a powdery peanut butter because it just. It kind of just sat on the back, and then it was like, all right, there's peanut butter there. But this was not a PB and it, it was sandwich. Like overwhelmingly that. tart berry. It was just a, as I mentioned, probably a kettle sour beer that just, oh my gosh, it, it was very dry. wasn't necessarily bad, but I would never ever seek this beer out again because it was just like, wow, I I don't want my taste buds to go wacky. Yeah, it's just not what I drink. Yeah, I, I had to go get water. I, I was like, I knew, I'm drinking water during the show, but hey, yeah. I really, I was like, I got to cut this with something. And again, this yeah. did, as it warmed up, got a little easier on the tongue, but I think that was also after it hit our, you know, so much tartness, it just kills your taste buds. And yeah. At that point, it, it doesn't matter. Your palate gets it, overwhelmed. It, yes. For me, it was my third beer of the evening, about a halfway through the can. I was, was done. I was kind of done for the evening, yeah. and it did go okay with the second half of the film, as Elvis was in decline. Yep. Uh, so we could interpret that as his his life soured. It did. It really soured. <laughs> and this his life sour got tart. It did very much so. And so the beer kind of matched, but yeah, I don't want to drink it anymore. Yeah. So I mean, I if you are going to seek beers out for a film this long. Find something that's not so big in alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> I would this was this was a big beer. I you didn't taste the alcohol, but you know it hides it really well. But I'm like, wow, I only needed one of those. I'm not going back for a second. The first beer we had, I I did a second one simply because we had two plus hours, and I'm like, I just don't want to do two beers over the course of that long because I'm just going to drink a bunch of water and have to get up and go pee a bunch and all this and that. As as we all know, Aaron, you had some interesting seltzers and things. Well, uh, I, I, I did. So I'll, I'll say I started, um, I should say I'm a, I'm a person that can drink tonic water without straight. mixers. Like yeah. it was straight. And, and I realized not everybody does that. I can't do that. Not it's everybody likes that, but quinine? I, yeah, yeah, there's something kind of acidic and really refreshing about it that I, I've, I've always liked tonic water straight. Like I, I like it with the gin and tonic too. Don't get me wrong, but like, I'm happy to drink tonic water straight. And, and to me, uh, what I picked up, it was a Q, Spectacular Tonic. It's um, the, the company is actually uh, uh, making this in New York. So it's come a long ways here for, for Portland. But uh, it, it was a nice tonic, I, I would say. It was well-balanced. I like the, the quinine when it's like actual, legit quinine and not some, you know. Artificial. Fa- artificial or artificial facsimile. Flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, uh, was well-made. It was well done. Um, I'd say I'd be happy to have this again. I think it, it does have kind of a parallel. I mean, you know, this is like, you know, crisp and, and refreshing, but it's also kind of a niche drink to have on its own. And I think in this day and age, if you're like Elvis obsessed, that's kind of a niche thing too, right? Yeah, very like, much so. It's a little idiosyncratic if you're, um, yeah. The, the, the other uh, thing I had is uh, familiar to anybody who shops the discount aisle. That's the, uh, the polar ice seltzer. It was the orange vanilla, which... Uh, I'm going to say the, the the tonic matched the film a little bit better yeah, for yeah, yeah. just being kind of, it, it's great if you're a fan of it. Yeah, I, and I think the same thing applies to this film. Uh, I've got some relatives and family members that are like, oh, you got to do the Elvis one. 
And I'm going to shout out to them. Yes, because we're doing it because of you. We had other options, but I, I promised my cousin we would do it. And, and so, Steve, this one's for you. I'm glad we did it. It was an interesting film. It was a little Thank longer. you, Steve. Thank I you, like Steve. watching Baz Luhrmann films. Yeah, so it, it was visually I would have seen this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, the whole thing was like, we really just should do it because I've read some interesting reviews. I pulled up a couple of the it bigger wasn't a bad reviews. film. It wasn't, but wow! I mean, if, I, I won't mm, watch it again. Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> well, it, I probably wouldn't have ever seen it. Had uh, so, thank yeah. you, Steve. This was a movie I would have missed yes. otherwise. Call him out on that one. I really appreciate the music that was done. Yeah, I think this was as as Brian mentioned, more of like a music montage video. You know, we're we're saying thank you to Elvis for his influences and for what he did for the music industry and for you know raising awareness and bringing different styles of music that were not easily accessible to a majority of the population that were then becoming available mm-hmm. and the influencers were there and you could see it and hear it and understand it. So I think from that perspective, good film, little shallow in the story. I mean, if we're talking about it from a filmmaker standpoint, shallow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if it brought a whole lot new to the Elvis story Yeah, yeah. that wasn't already out there. But maybe it brought something new to a new audience. Yeah. I mean, I, I applaud those. Like I said, you know, Doja Cat and Eminem and a bunch of other fairly well-known new artists or newer artists are, yeah. are lending their kind, talents. Kind of paying their, homage like, yeah. to their one of their influences, whether they're mm-hmm. aware of it or not. Got to yeah. appreciate that. Dr- directly so, or indirectly, yeah. So yeah. any other final words before we uh, bid farewell to our audience for this episode? I'm all shook up. Are you? Just don't step on my blue suede shoes. He does say thank you, but he doesn't say thank you very much, which I was I was waiting for that the whole film. I was like, oh, he's got to say it. He says thank you a lot. I'll say the, the accent that, especially towards the end of the movie, it got to be harder and harder for me to understand what, yeah. what he was like. Because it, it gets to be a lot. very thick, very thick accent. Well, what? I mean, he did decline. I mean, you take it, a lot of quaaludes and see how you speak. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine, and, I'm and fine. And I did read, and I, I believe it to be true, and we talked about this while we were watching it, that the later singing and later on in the film, when he gets to Vegas, that's all actual, like, a lot of the singing parts from Elvis's performances are the actual performances that he did. So they're lip sync. He's, you know, the actor is lip syncing to for the latter part of the film. Yeah, because yeah, it's it'd be hard to match that tone and that slur mm-hmm. and be able to do it. The earlier, younger stuff. The guy is obviously a talented musician and singer, and I he yeah. did a really phenomenal job. So, acting wise, really well done. I, those actors that had an opportunity to have dialogue and speak, they did a fairly good job. It, I mean, no it, complaints about that. Yeah, they were all yeah, believable. Absolutely. They were all at, well acted. I think. Yeah. yeah. I just wish we got to see more of those characters and learn more about them. Yeah. yeah. But overall, okay, so thumbs down on the beers. I'm, I'm, I'm going to poo-poo these. Find something that's not high in alcohol that you're going to enjoy. Find a light lager or something. Go the distance. Go the distance with it because, yeah, even though Elvis didn't drink a whole lot, there was an advertisement that we saw for hams or something. That Bush. Was, I think Bush, it was Bush beer. Bush, Bush beer. beer. Yeah. <laughs> They're in... Um, on Beale Street on in Beale Memphis. Street in yeah. Memphis. Yeah, there was an advertisement. I was like, oh, there's there's an ad. Yeah. So good film. If you are an Elvis fan, definitely see it if you haven't already. Yeah. If you're not an Elvis fan and you want to punish your children by making them sit through a really long, boring film, they'll appreciate the music. If they're old enough to appreciate music in general or like pop culture stuff, they'll be like, oh, that's where that came from. Oh, that sample was from there. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, no violence. Zero violence. Zero. Really, really Nate. Really zero Z- amount of... Zero you know, adult situations. Yeah. No, no bad language. Very little, if any. I don't, I don't know. There I was a real any. sexy dance in the beginning of this there show. There was <laughs> some sexy bumping and grinding, but that, again, is like, not anything if you, different. You know? If you have 1950 uh, social standards, you might be uh, offended by some yeah, of what's yeah. going the on. 1920, 22, probably not so much. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Probably not so much. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out. As always, the opinions expressed during the taping of this recording are those of the hosts... This is Dan signing out, and our Hydro homie's not here, so we're going to say you better hydrate or dihydrate. I drink a bunch of water because these beers were a little heavy, and I'm like, yeah. Find find the time to drink some water and drink some other fun things. As, you know, you got some tonic and some seltzer going on. Vodka's kind of like water. <laughs> With potato. <laughs> All right, well, this is Dan signing it out. Like thanks. thanks, everybody. This is Aaron. Thank you very much. This is Brian. Thank you. Take care. Well, old Joe, Charlie, and Richard gonna starve to death. Yeah, Sonny will be in the pit.